Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. How many sense the presence of the Lord in this place today? Amen. I feel his presence too. And it's such a joy to be able to share with you in that experience of celebrating Christ. Uh, In just a moment, we're going to look at a message that God put in my heart for you almost three months ago. And uh, we're going to look at the book of uh, the Gospel of John, um, chapter 12, El Evangelio de Juan, uh, capítulo 12. Y vamos a leer um, uh, conjuntos en algunos momentos. But before we do that, uh, sorry, I was just saying we're looking at John chapter 12 so that all of our friends that speak God's language, you know, Spanish is God's language, by the way. All of us that speak English, you better learn uh, el lenguaje celestial. Es verdad? <laughs> I'm teasing for everyone who speaks English. Actually, Swahili is God's language. But um, I've written about six different books. I'll be using a few of the stories today. They're out there on the back table with my wife's um, baskets and handbags. If you would like to get one, they're $10 a piece. They all have to do with missions and mission stories from our life and our ministry. Um, If you don't have $10 and you'd like to take one, please feel free to do so. I'd love to sew it into your life, okay? So that's the uh, information about the book. Are we ready for the harvest of a dying seed this morning? The harvest of a dying seed. Now... I'm going to be reading this story from John chapter 12, but I want to just make a quick observation. When we talk about the word harvest, how many know that harvest is a cycle? Are you guys with me? You don't just walk out into the field one day and go, crops, fruits. Doesn't work that way, right? There's a cycle, okay? So when I say the word harvest, la cosecha, hay que... Darse cuenta que hay un proceso, okay, behind that. Okay, sorry, I'm just going to go in and out of Spanish. I hope that doesn't um, mess anybody up here. Um, John chapter 12, are we there? The harvest of a dying seed, and we'll read this together. We'll start in verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Talking about Jesus, right? Okay, verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Let's keep going through it. Verse 21. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Turn to the person next to you and say, much fruit. Much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Amen? Now, before we get too far into this message, do we have the picture of the lion here? This is Pastor Travis when he came to uh, Africa. No, I'm just teasing. It's not. <laughs> but I, I, I like this picture because you see the guy's gun is on the other side of the lion, so he's in big trouble. So here's the story behind it. 
a man comes across a lion while camping, and terrified, he closes his eyes and he starts to pray. And when he opens his eyes, he's surprised that the lion has his eyes closed too. And so the man says, it's a miracle, un milagro, you must be a Christian lion. And the lion says, I thought you were praying over lunch. Now, the reason I'm telling you that joke this morning is because if any of you close your eyes while I'm preaching, I'm just going to believe that you're praying over lunch that's coming in a little bit here, okay? This morning, we want to look at missions. We want to look at John chapter 12. We want to look at God's purpose for our lives, and we want to look at the country of Burundi. And I'm going to try to do that as fast as possible, okay? The context of our passage that we have just read together is this. Jesus is one week away from his crucifixion, okay? And the whole city is in an uproar because they think Jesus is going to make himself the king, right? And we know that Jesus is going to be the king, but he's not just going to be the king of the Jews. He's going to be the king of the whole world, right? And so John's trying to illustrate this for us in this passage, and in order to do this, we have to understand the analogy of a seed. So I think that's one of the slides we look at here. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, the analogy of a seed. So central in this passage, the understanding of the passage, is that we see Jesus talking about a grain of wheat, right? Do you guys remember that? Yeah? And so Jesus talks about seeds often, and he says things like the seed represents the word of God, or the seed represents the kingdom of God. But in this passage, his focus isn't so much on what the seed represents as much as it is on what happens to the seed, okay? Now watch this. Jesus says that something has to happen to the seed, and he uses three words to describe it. In Spanish, it's si lo muere, if it dies, okay? Are you guys with me? So we talked about a harvest, we talked about a cycle behind a harvest, and Jesus says, here's the seed, I'm about to plant the seed, but in order for the seed to produce the harvest, something has to happen in order for the harvest to come forth. And Jesus says, there's three words, and those words are, if it dies, right? So Jesus is helping his disciples see this cycle developing. And I think one, time, one, one thing that we often forget when it comes to harvest is the idea that explosive multiplication of the seed is always connected to the death of the seed. Did you guys get that? Explosive multiplication of the seed is always connected with the death of the seed. Now, watch what happens in this story. Because the Pharisees are going to make this comment here in verse 19, and they're going to say this. They're going to say, look, the whole world has gone after this man. Now, it's kind of like prophetic irony. You know what that means? It's kind of like an over-the-top kind of comment, right? And they say it out of jealousy because they are upset that Jesus is getting so much attention. And John is going to use this to frame this whole passage of Scripture here, okay? And they, John's going to show us that God turns their confession into prophecy. Are you with me? He's turning the confession into prophecy. They say it in frustration, but God turns it into a confession, right? The enemy speaks one thing, but God turns it around and makes it applicable in another area of your life, okay? And I'm, for one, I love it when God turns the very words that the enemy uses against me into my very victory. 
right? And that's the message of the cross. The ultimate defeat, so-called, became our most glorious victory. Now, John interjects in the passage we're reading today after they say, look, the whole world, it's gone after him. And John goes, you guys have no idea how much the world's going to go after him. He goes, Pope, let me give you the backstory of what's about to happen here. Not only is the whole world, i.e. Jerusalem, going to go after him, but just give him some time. Just, just wait a moment. Wait for this cycle to take place. Wait for the seed to die. Because on the other side of this thing, the whole world really is going to go after him, right? And this is what missions is all about. 10 a.m., Oklahoma City, we meet here at Harvest to worship and lift up the Lamb. 10 a.m., Denver, Colorado, different time zone churches that serve Christ, they're going to lift up the name of Jesus, right? California, another time zone. The Pacific Ocean, another time zone. And the cool thing is, at any given point, on any time, the praise of Jesus Christ is being lifted up around this globe 24-7. There really has come a time when John is illustrating for us, and he says, you think the whole world? I'll show you the whole world. You guys seeing it? So what Jesus is doing is he's foreshadowing his death, but he's also foreshadowing the cost of harvest, okay? You guys with me? He's a cycle, remember? A cycle for harvest. Now, I'm going to change subjects entirely just for a moment, and I want to talk about C.T. Studd, okay? Because I think C.T. Studd was a stud. Um, <laughs> he was a missionary in the 19th century. He wrote at least four books. He was a missionary in China, a missionary in India, missionary in Africa. And what makes it really interesting is that he was one of the most famous athletes of his time, okay? Um, imagine um, for me today, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant. Oh, wait, we're not allowed to say that in Oklahoma City. Sorry about that. Y por la gente que habla en español, Oscar de la Joya, Julio Cesar Chavez, Lorena Ochoa. Someone like that, okay? Someone really famous, alguien muy famoso, okay? And what he ends up doing, he, he, he has this huge fortune of money, and Jesus calls him to be a missionary, and he gives all his money away, and he goes to China. And the nation of England is shocked. Imagine, let's just throw out there Kevin Durant. He gives back all his money. He gives it to, you know, uh, missions, and he goes to live in Africa. Everyone would be like, whoa, something big just happened, Right? So it covered all the newspapers of England at the time, and he was an author, as I mentioned, and so he wrote this poem. I first heard this poem when I was about 19 years old, and it shook my soul. Here's the poem. Did we get this? One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Okay? Now, this is the cycle of a harvest, the harvest of a dying seed. So I want to use these three points to preach this passage to you real quickly today. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Number one, one life, you only get one opportunity to make a difference with your life. You only get one opportunity to make a difference with your life. Do you know the importance of your life for harvest? Now, I grew up in Africa. I already mentioned that. I'm an African-American. <clears throat> And growing up in the 1980s, we had something called video games, uh, Nintendo. Anyone ever heard of Nintendo? Okay, I know I'm dating myself. <laughs> and we had all these different games like Mario Brothers and Zelda and games that nobody even cares about anymore. Um, and I loved playing these different games. And one of the cool features was that if you couldn't make it on a particular level and you ended up dying, 
you always got a second life. And then if you didn't make it with your second life, you get a third life, and then you got a fourth life. And if you knew all the special codes, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, then you got unlimited lives, okay? And it was really cool. And then if that didn't work, you could just push reset and start the game all over again. Anybody ever played video games? Is it only me? I guess, oh, it's me and Pastor Travis, a few of us, okay? And the cool thing was you just kept repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating, and then eventually you beat the game, and you're like, yeah, I'm all that. Well, not really, because you spent a thousand lives trying to beat the game, right? Now, here's where I'm going with this. This idea of pushing reset on your life is in total contrast to a Christian worldview, Do you know why? Because the Christian faith teaches us, hey, man and woman of God, you only get one life. You only get one chance. You only get one opportunity to make it count for eternity. There's no reset button at the end of this thing after 80 years and go, oh, I want to start all over again. It doesn't exist. And so we see two words in this passage that kind of help put it into context for me. And I I, I brought out the word urgency and I brought out the word mission. Jesus is Urgent, urgency means uh, this idea of uh, um, swift action and a, a mission that requires swift action. And I like what someone says about missions. They say this. They say the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world with whole obedience, right? Did you guys get that? The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world with whole obedience. So this idea of one life, is the idea that your life is to be lived out with mission. Your life is to be lived out with urgency. And that your life is to be lived out as a seed in this cycle of harvest. Now, I'm going to illustrate this with a picture from Burundi. Do you have the baptismal picture, I hope? Cool. All right, that's me somewhere in the river there. With <laughs> um, This picture takes place almost 10 years ago now. I got a phone call on a Friday night. The other guy in the river is Pastor Jerome. And he says, hey, let's go to a place called Nyabihanga. Now, if you look for Nyabihanga, you're not going to find it. I don't even think Google can find Nyabihanga, okay? It's in the middle of the middle of the middle of the middle of nowhere of the middle of nowhere, okay? And so we show up on a Saturday morning, and I thought I was going to talk to the pastor about buying a piece of land for their church. Instead, there were 200 people waiting outside this little church building and that they were renting, and the pastor says, you're here, the evangelist is here. I said, me? I'm not the evangelist, I don't know. I'm in jeans and like a t-shirt, right? Paul says, be instant in season and out of season. And I remember preaching that morning on the second coming of Christ. I preached the word, God moved, 80 some people raised their hands to give their lives to Jesus that day. The pastor looks at me and he goes, this is awesome, we gotta go baptize him right now. And I'm like, right, like right right now? I was supposed to get back to uh, my house for lunch. Okay, yeah, right now, got it. And so we jump in the pickup truck, we go down the road a little bit, and I jump in the water, and I know you think Africa's really hot, it's not. That water was like 40 degrees. Um, I actually caught pneumonia after this from being in the water. We baptized 88 people for 45 minutes. Um, it took everything I had as you yeah, to God be the glory. That's Kirundi for in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was just like, wow, this is so powerful. I'm sure we're going to come back. There's going to be a great move of God in this area. Woo! You know what the lesson was that I learned from that story I just told you? I thought for sure I'd be back to Nyabihanga many times. Ten years have gone by and I haven't been back once. Do you see sometimes there's an urgency about how we live our lives? Are you guys with me? 
One life, whether it's your family, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's um, the calling on your life, the purpose that you just get one chance at it. There's not a reset button anywhere in the New Testament. In fact, the author of Hebrews puts it this way, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment seat, right? So I see this as Jesus' motivation in this passage. His one life is a seed, right? We're talking about the cycle of a harvest. He knows that if he wants the harvest, the cycle has to be started, and he's taking his seed. He knows he has one life, one opportunity to make this thing work, to make the uh, prophetic promises of the Old Testament come to pass, and so he plants the seed of his life. If it dies, it will produce much fruit, right? So point number two. Soon be past. Remember, we're using the little poem from C.T. Studd, the most famous sportsman of his time who gave it all away to go be a missionary in China? He's, I, I wrote in the notes, soon be past, you only have a fixed period of time to do so, right? Or, or you can change that, a fixed period of time to plant the seed, okay? It's my message. I can change the notes if I want to, okay? So, sorry if... <laughs> You only get a fixed period of time to plant the seed. Now, we already mentioned the context of this passage. Jesus is one week away from being crucified, right? He's going to die, and he's talking about his upcoming death and sacrifice on the cross in this passage. That's what the seed is. His life is the seed. It's about to die. He's about to give it for the world. And yet, we soon see that he's not just talking about his life as a seed. In fact, he's talking about every believer's life as a seed, and we see that this passage is really an invitation. It's really a call to imitation, not just invitation. Jesus flips the analogy around and says, it's not just my life that's the seed. It's your life that's the seed. It's every person's life who is a follower in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus knows something that we don't know because Jesus lived in an agricultural society. And the thing that he knew is this, timing is everything when it comes to the cycle of a seed, right? Timing's everything. Anyone who's ever planted a crop or flowers, timing's everything. Now watch the timing here. Back to this passage, right? The Pharisees say the whole world is going after him. And John's like, you have no idea. And the next verse immediately states through John that this group of Greeks walk up and they say, hey, Jesus, or we want to see Jesus, right? And, and the timing is impeccable, okay? And their, their comment, their, their request is, we want to see Jesus. Now, what struck me funny about this is Jesus has been doing ministry for three years, five months, and three weeks up to this point. He's one week away from his death, right? And so you have to ask the question, why did the Greeks want to see him now? Why in this moment? Why did they wait for three and a half years? Why did you wait to the last possible moment to see Jesus and they say, we want to see him. And what's interesting is John doesn't tell us if they ever got to see him or not. He doesn't conclude and say, oh, and then they came in and talked to Jesus. And so you see this conversation playing out, okay? And I'm going to act it out before you. And so you have Philip and Andrew on one side, and they're like, excuse me, Jesus. Yeah, the Greeks, they want to see you. And Jesus is over here, and he's like, now is the time for me to be glorified. And Philip and Andrew are like, what's he talking about? <laughs> Jesus, the Greeks, there's a group of them. They want to see you. And Jesus is over here, and he's like, if a grain of seed dies, it remains alone. And, you know, Philip and Andrew are back over here. They're like, they wondered if it would be possible to have, like, a personal appointment with you, right? And they're back over here, and they're like, it will remain alone. And they, 
you're not even listening, Jesus. Are you not even answering the question? What's going on here, right? And what we see here that Jesus is doing is he's working on the timing. Now, how many of you watched the game last night? OU, OSU. Do you know what is critical in every football game? Is when on offense, the quarterback is standing right behind the line and he starts giving signals, right? Blue, 55, 54, 55. I'm making it up. I'm not a quarterback, as you can see, right? What's, what's the quarterback doing? He's calling the plays in the exact timing, right? Are you guys with me? Now, this is what Jesus is doing. They don't see it, but he's calling the timing. He knows that the Greeks want to see him. He knows that they're one week away from his death. And Jesus looks at it, and um, John tells us a truth about Jesus' life here that actually becomes a truth about our lives. Jesus knows that if he plants the seed at the right time, then he will have a harvest, not just among the Greeks, but among the whole world. Um, I like to preach a whole message um, on harvest. I call it, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap what others sow. Do you guys catch that? But the critical point is you have to sow and if you're going to reap, right? So here's this cycle that we're coming around to. And Jesus' response is, he actually answers him in John 12, 32. Um, do we put that up? And Jesus says, Pastor Travis mentioned it earlier, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth... I will draw all people to myself. Now, what's really cool here about this um, idea of the Greeks, I'm a little bit of a Greek nerd because I have glasses, and I'm just kidding, but I have studied Greek, and um, the, the Greek word for uh, Greeks is actually Helens, and Helens could be used to mean Greeks, or it is used to mention or refer to every people group that weren't Jews. And so the Greeks want to see him, and they're like, hey, Jesus, come on, don't you want to see him? And Jesus says, I have to go down into the ground in the cycle of harvest so that I can come back up on the other side. Because if I come back up on the other side, it's not just a small group of Greeks in Jerusalem who are going to have the opportunity to see me, but it's going to be every people, nation, language, tribe, and tongue on planet Earth that's going to have the opportunity to see who Jesus is. It's going to be people in Oklahoma City, toda la gente en el mundo hispano que, que, que abrieron la oportunidad para ver Jesucristo como su Salvador. Are you guys with me today? Can we go to uh, Gitega here real quick? These are the pictures of the, uh, do you have the construction one? Like the, there you go. That guy in the white shirt and blue jeans, you might recognize him as the lady, as well as the lady in the uh, pink top and blue jeans. It's uh, Pastor Mike and uh, Starla. This is when they came over to Burundi. This is a place called Gitega. It's the second largest city. And so I, I was charged with buying that piece of land there. It was about $40,000 or something, if I remember right. And so I went and changed it into Burundian currency. One dollar is 3,000 uh, francs. So I walked out of the bank with a suitcase of money, 55 million some frambu, right? And so I'm like, Aah! it's the only time in my life I've been a millionaire. It felt pretty good for about that long, right? And this, I don't have time to go into all the story, but um, this was a very difficult church to build. That piece of steel there actually almost fell on uh, some of the team members, would have caused some serious damage. The pastor of the church, the guy that was baptizing in the river in the last picture, his wife died right before this. Um, very difficult time. I was sick for months leading up to it. But we got the church erected. Do you guys have um, the picture of the church now? All right, so that's part of the church, and they added on to it. I preached the first Sunday morning back in February of 2009, and there were 20 people there in the room, okay? 
and got to share. And then as I just preached about, sometimes life takes unexpected turns. I didn't go back to this church for almost seven years. And when I did go back, they're now running 850 on a Sunday morning with two services. They have planted eight church uh, sites in and around the uh, area. And then this is what I'm really excited about because this ties it back into you guys. Do you have the next picture of the guys outside the wall there? I hope. Yes. So this is the group of church planters that were just trained in that church building that was planted by Harvest Assembly of God. And Harvest Assembly of God also sent money over to help with this church Uh, training planting school. There are 31 Burundians and 16 Congolese who have just gone through a three-month training process to plant churches all across the area. They're ready. All they're waiting for is for someone to come alongside and cause this cycle to keep coming back around. Are you guys with me today? Are you getting this idea of sometimes the seed has to get planted and it goes dormant for a while, it dies for a while, but if you will plant at the right time on the other side, seven years later, we had no idea. 850 people have been brought into the kingdom. And what's really cool is when I was back there, I started visiting all the other churches that we have helped to start, that Harvest helped to start. Um, As far as I can tell, more than 5,000 new believers have come into the kingdom and are in those churches. It's not just like, oh, I preached a meeting and 5,000 people raised their hands. It's 5,000 people who gave their life to Jesus and are currently in church on any given Sunday morning. So this brings us to our conclusion today as we look to wrap this up. And you know when a pastor or preacher says that I'm closing, it doesn't really mean anything, right? I'm teasing. Okay. The last one here is, what's done for Christ will last. Now watch this. Because we've talked about the cycle of a harvest, el, el ciclo de, de, de una cosecha, right? And we've already said that, you know, harvest doesn't just happen by itself. So what I wrote here in your notes is you will have to make decisions to make your life count, right? Now, this is what preachers call practical application because we said that Jesus had the invitation for imitation, Jesus isn't just talking about his life being a seed. He's talking about every life being a seed that's going to be planted into the ground, right? And this is where we look at the costs of what it means to live a life that will count for eternity. Now, every single person in the whole world wants a harvest. How many people in this room today do not want a harvest in your life? Please raise your hand. You do not want harvest. You hate harvest, not, not the church, but you don't, you don't want God to bless you. You don't want fruit. You don't want increase. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, nobody. That's good. You guys, are, you, guys, you guys are good. I like that, all right? In other words, every person in the world wants a harvest as long as it doesn't cost too much. Are you guys with me? Now, watch what I hope G.K. Chesterton's quote is in here. Um, what's that? It's not there. Okay, G.K. Chesterton said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Can I say that again? The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Now, Jesus talks about the difficulty of the cycle of planting the seed, as well as the glory of the cycle of the seed, okay? Now, I want to just set this up, and we're closing with this, I promise. Difficult versus glory. Do you remember verses 25 and verses 26 of this passage, what Jesus says? I'll read them real quick again. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
Now, this is so important. There's a contrast here between the difficulty of the gospel and the glory of the gospel. Now, we have a tendency to focus on the glory of the gospel. I just told you a story about 850 people, and woo, and everyone's like, but what I didn't really focus on was the difficulty behind getting to the harvest so that we could see glory in the gospel. Now, Jesus is going to describe his death here, and it's interesting what he says in verse 24. Verse 23, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Was the Son of Man glorified or crucified? The answer is yes. Right? And the idea of glorification is all about perspective. He was crucified. It was painful. It was difficult. It was hard. But it was also glorious. It was wonderful. It was freedom. It was victory. It was life. So was it glorious or was it difficult? The answer is yes. Now, so many times in our Christian walk, we miss out on this idea that we think that just because we're walking through something difficult, we go, oh, I give up. When we don't realize that you're on the verge of seeing the cycle come back around, because when you walk through the suffering, the pain, the difficulty, on the other side, you see the glory. You see the harvest. You see the breakthrough. And so this is key. This is so key. How do we get this perspective? We recognize that the price is worthy of the harvest. The suffering of this life is seed for God's mission and for God's glory. We we can't miss out on the harvest of glory. Jesus sets up a list of comparisons to prepare his disciples for turning suffering into glory. He says the seed must die, right? Verse 24, Jesus elsewhere says, if any man come after me, he must take up his cross. Can I remind you that the cross was not a piece of jewelry in the first century? It was an image of death. This is difficult. Then Jesus says, you have to hate your lives in this world. Verse 25, it's not that we hate life, it's that we hate life apart from God. We hate life that's full of our own selfish ambitions. This is difficult. Jesus says, you have to follow me. We know that following Christ is connected to discipleship, right? It involves making Jesus the Lord over every area of our life. This is difficult. Would you agree? Then Jesus says in verse 26b, you have to serve me. Serving Jesus for Jesus' sake, not serving Jesus for my sake. We no longer get the recognition. We no longer um, receive all of the accolades. Sometimes there's opposition. Sometimes it's hard to take the role of a servant, right? This is difficult. But here's where the perspective comes in. The glory of the gospel compensates the difficult. The glory of the gospel compensates the hard. The glory turns the difficult into a life of significance and harvest. Jesus says that if the seed dies, then it will bear much fruit. So the difficult leads to the glory. If it dies, it bears much fruit. This is glorious. Then Jesus says if you give your life away, then you'll gain eternal life. We lay down our life. We hate our life in this world. It has a purpose, eternal life. This is glorious. Then Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll be with me, right? A few chapters later in John 14, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. This is glorious. Would you agree? And then the last one, Jesus says, if you serve me, you will be honored by my Father. How many want to be honored by your Father in heaven? Do you guys see the cycle, the paradox that's going on here? 
The seed's been planted. It's difficult. It's painful. It hurts. It's not the easiest thing in the world. But Jesus said, si lo muere, if I die, if it goes into the ground, if the timing is right. On the other side, you'll see the harvest. On the other side, you'll see the breakthrough. On the other side, you'll see the glory. On the other side, it will be worth it. On the other side, people come into the kingdom. On the other side, lives are transformed. Harvest isn't easy, but it's glorious. Are you guys with me today? It's glorious. It's a cycle of a dying seed. It's the harvest of a dying seed. Something dies so that something else can really live. So we close for real, for real this time. For real, for real, for real, all right? For real, for real, for real. Have you planted your life in the cycle of a harvest like a seed? Has your seed died in the ground so that it can live? Are you living one life in such a way that soon it will be passed? But really, what's done for Christ will last. The name of this church is? We believe that we're going to have a we're going to have a here, locally. We're going to have a across the state. We're going to have a around the world. We're going to have a cosecha, okay, of people coming to know Jesus. We're going to have a of seeing people's lives transformed. We're going to have a hallelujah. It will require the seed of our lives, our finances, our time, our obedience. Your life is a seed. Can we all stand together today as we close this message in prayer? Father, Padre Celestial, te damos toda la gracia para la oportunidad de comunicar tu palabra con la gente que están aquí en este lugar. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with everyone here in this place today. Lord, we, we pray today that our lives would not be wasted. We pray today that you would open our ears, you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts, that like never before, we would give ourselves to the harvest so that we can see your name glorified. Lord, I pray for those that are going through a very difficult time. Lord, you know that in the difficulty, that's where we can experience the greatest glory. And I pray today that you would release a new perception, a new perspective change over people's lives. Before we close, I just want to ask, is there someone here, people here, and you'd say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus today? Would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. I just want to give an invitation. You're here and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Necesito entregar mi vida enteramente al Señor. Si hay alguien, te pido a levantarse el mano. Anybody? Okay. Secondly, I want to ask this. Are you here today and you say, you know what? I'm going through a tough time. It's been so difficult. And I need the Lord to help me change my perspective. So that instead of just complaining and seeing all the difficult and all the hard, I really begin to see, you know what? There's some glory that he wants to produce through my life. If that's you, I want to pray for you. You're going through a tough time. Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many hands, so many hands. 
Can we all just raise our hands before the Lord like this? Just as an act of surrender. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray for every person now. I pray for those that are so discouraged, those that have been going through such difficult times. I thank you that on the other side, they would see the glory. They would see that it's worth it. They would see that their lives, Lord, are ultimately accomplishing your mission and your purpose. Lord, I pray over this church today. I pray that this church would be a place of harvest. Un lugar de la cosecha para que el nombre del Señor sea glorificado en este vecino, en el nombre de Cristo. Lord, we thank you. We bless you that you're going to do something through this place, oh God, in the days to come that would stagger our imagination. Lord, we ask now that you would help us to treasure this word in our hearts. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. <laughs>